What was in the yeah. model? Uh, it was it was trying to collect their email address. Oh, it was just like give us your email right now. Right, right. I love that. That's a great first impression. <laughs> I've always felt like very warm inside whenever I'm just like, oh, they care enough to ask me for all my personal information immediately. <laughs> That's like if I met somebody new, I'm just like, hey, I'm Jeff. Hey, can I borrow like ten dollars? Like immediately. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's so perfect. You, that's will exactly... never, you will never see them again. Let's, let's use that for the intro. Yeah. That, that describes the modal problem perfectly. Hey, welcome to the UX and Growth Podcast. I'm Jeff. I'm a UX engineer at HubSpot. I'm Austin. I'm a UX designer at HubSpot. And I'm Matt, and I'm a growth engineer at HubSpot. So today we're going to be talking about the death of the pop-up and the rise of the modal. If you're not familiar with what pop-ups and modals are, or maybe you're confused about the difference between the two, in the most simple of terms, a pop-up is um, a... A sep exists in a separate window, and a modal exists in the current window that you're in at the time. So uh, they're basically disruptions that do the same thing. They like pop up into your field of view, but if you were to take one single browsing experience, so if you take like one window of Google Chrome, say that that's what you're browsing with, and you're on a website, uh, a pop-up would come up in a new window of Chrome, and a modal would exist in that current window that you're in, but they're both covering the content. Yeah. So that's that's basically the differentiation. Um, when we talk about the death of the pop-up, I think that the easiest way to put it is that we found a technological solution to get rid of something that was really annoying because pop-ups were commonly associated with ads or with spam. And unfortunately, modals have come to be associated with the same thing. Right. So this technological solution that we came up with was a pop-up blocker, which yep. is now embedded in browsers almost a, like yeah. all the time. Like, it's, it's not even an extension. Like the browsers just come with it right. because nobody wants it. So we're just naturally using this technological solution to block pop-ups. Mm -hmm. So the evolu out of that evolution, we had the, the rise of the modal. And there isn't a technological way to block that. So this is basically serving the same function as a pop-up, just in the same window. And it's right. not as easy for the browser to block it. Mm -hmm. And what we're finding now are is some really, really interesting data around how users interact with pop-ups, or with modals, I'm sorry. Right. And it's actually uh, very similar to how users were interacting with pop-ups before pop-up blockers existed. Yeah. Now, it's not like um, pop-ups are completely gone nowadays. Right. Now, because there's like some things where you need to do it. Like if you've ever like tried to authenticate a service, like, um, I don't know, like you're trying to like connect to your Gmail account yeah. or something like that. Sometimes their solution is to give you an actual pop-up, like another browser window to do that. And then when it's done, like the parent window that you started from um, just kind of like regains control and all that stuff. Um, but you don't see it like it was used, like it used to be used like back in like, pre-2010, yep. you know, where it was just like advertisement after advertisement after mm -hmm. advertisement. Um, and they have, like, as, as you're, you're going to hear, like, we haven't stopped ads by adding a pop-up blocker, you know? Mm -hmm. It's like people have just found new ways of making them 
just as annoying as they were before. Yeah, and and I think that what you were talking about there, Jeff, with how pop-ups still exist, but the the content that they hold being different has it's that's actually a really really interesting thing that kind of goes back to the core of this entire topic mm -hmm. which is user trust mm -hmm. um, and so for a long time pop-ups weren't being adequately stopped by pop-up blockers and the user wasn't did it just naturally didn't trust a pop-up so nobody would put legitimate content into a pop-up. Now we have pop-up blockers, people aren't quite as used to getting ads and pop-ups anymore, so we can put real content in there and it won't go immediately ignored. And this kind of goes back to actually some research that I've been doing here at HubSpot around how users behave with modals. And what I was finding is that in the majority of cases, users actually don't pay any attention to the content yeah. that's in a modal. Um, and in fact, they've developed behaviors that you can observe uh, qualitatively and quantitatively just by putting some uh, intelligent event tracking on your modal mm -hmm. uh, where the user will in many cases close out of a modal in less than a second yeah so it's like a completely reactionary behavior where they're just immediately moving the mouse to the x or outside of the modal or whatever to close out of it. And, and of course there are you know outlier cases where you'll have a certain percentage of users will indeed read the content, will submit the form and uh, convert or what you know whatever the KPI is for the modal. And I think that that's what, what continues to propel this trend forward where right. more and more sites are, are using modals and they're getting more disruptive is that um, they don't work with the majority of the audience, mm -hmm. but that one certain fractional percentage of the audience right. that it works with, it's enough to move that KPI. Yeah. And it's like if they were getting 0% and now they're getting 1.5%, like yeah. that's a win. Modals it are great. Is. Keep going. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, it's very difficult to track, you know, the outs outside of those KPIs, it's difficult to track the adverse effects that that may be resulting from a modal like the fact that you're pissing people off, right? Um, but that, that that one group continues to propel it forward, and to me, it's actually really reminiscent of a third-party study that I saw that was conducted on Google's uh, search engine ads, like the ads that you see on you know the side the side of the search engine or right. at the top of the results. And what they found is that actually over 80 percent of the ad clicks that were happening in uh, search engine results. Were uh, were originating from three to five percent. So it's like only a very specific use. type of yes. person seems to be doing all the clicking yes. or all of the modal submitting. Or do you think they're the same person? <laughs> do you think they click on an ad and they're the person that like hits a page that immediately shows them a modal and they're like, oh sure, I'll do this too. It's the same kind of person that downloads a new smartphone app every single month, as yeah. we discussed. <laughs> That's another podcast. Um, that's really funny. So I, I so I feel like this is kind of reactionary though from the advertising industry. Like I just pulled some numbers right now which are really interesting around ad block. Mm -hmm. It's estimated that ad block in just all the technology that blocks ads online uh, causes two billion dollars to be lost from the digital advertising industry every year. Yeah. That is that well that's is insane. If you think about it though, 
is like they're losing two billion dollars is like one way to put it but uh-huh. it's the same argument it's like piracy causes a lot right, of right. like music labels not to make any money it's like well the problem isn't piracy the problem is that you can't like adapt to the fact that this is open and shareable now mm-hmm. like ad block exists and it's not gonna not exist anymore so you got to change the way you advertise that's right and they just won't so they're like but like we're that. losing money and it's like i guess you can talk to the government but nobody else cares <laughs> and it's still a 60 billion dollar industry like right. that's a small sliver yeah and it's not like that's something that they can't adapt for yeah you know well that's that's just the the nature of the beast right right and you're gonna have people that find better ways to to market to people better ways to you know take advantage of that medium i mean we live in a world now where my 52 year old mom has ad block mm-hmm. installed in her well browser. did you install it or did she install I it? i installed it okay yeah. <laughs> you're a good son yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like we live in a world where my 52-year-old mother has a son who can install Adblock for her. <laughs> it's it's like you gave a lot of credit to that generation there, and it's like, wait, 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 hold on. <laughs> so is the CTA here to have children so when future technology comes up, they can help you with it? Yeah, well, that's like the Louis C.K. thing. It's like if you feel stupid around your kids, you're doing it right because that means that they've adapted, and you know clearly like you're not going to adapt as fast as they do. Um, Excellent. So I think that this is actually, th- this this whole thing, Matt, around advertising and, and the, the ways that you, you know, adapt your advertising with, with changing forms of media and changing platforms, I think uh, uh, tying that back to, you know, modals and pop-ups, all of this stuff points to one massive issue in our space right now, and that's the attention crisis. Right. We have multiple different devices, multiple different uh information sources we there's like for the first time in the history of man we have more information than one person can conceivably consume in a day so now we're all competing for that person's attention and that's where you see something like a modal coming up you know okay we're going to get somebody on our site and then we're going to disrupt them right with whatever it is that our goal is yeah that's the argument around like how disruption can be a good thing because it's like oh they're in this flow we want them to break out of something and look at it for a couple of seconds longer or something like that now that argument makes sense in theory but clearly does not reflect in practice because as austin had said earlier um people get used to that there's certain places where modals are so likely to appear that the audiences have now um just become conditioned to them and they know when it's happening like Think about this, like if you're about to leave a page, you expect a modal to show up if they're annoying. You know, you're just like, prepare for modal, I'm gonna leave. And like when it pops up, you're like, nah, and then you click it out, you click out of it. Or yeah. the minute you hit a page, especially if it's journalism, um, they usually like ask for like an email address or some sort of subscribe. If you scroll to the bottom of an article, that tends to be a place where stuff pops up. Like you just all it's happened, the patterns exist in so like in such a large scale that it's happened so many times that your brain just knows it's coming. Yeah. You know. It's this, it's this situation where, you know, with all of this competition, when we get somebody on our site, it's, we're so quick and it's so tempting to prioritize our goals, right. our business goals over their user needs. And that's where we have this lack of balance between the user goals and the business goals. And as we all know, it's super, super important to make sure that you maintain that balance. Right. And actually one of the funniest cases of uh, modal execution that I've seen, and it's super prevalent, like you can find this almost anywhere now, is companies delivering an NPS survey <laughs> through a modal. Like, 
hey, how are you enjo enjoying your experience in our product? Or how are you enjoying your experience on our website in a modal? It's right. like, well, I was enjoying it until you <laughs> asked me that in a modal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so so that's, uh, I, I, I think that we've, we've definitely seen some shifts and adaptations in the way that uh, companies are prioritizing their goals over right. the user's goals. And it's actually resulting in some really, really interesting natural behaviors from users now. So at, I want to say uh, at the end of the, ep like toward the end of the episode, I've got a bunch of uh, best practices for modals that we can go through. So we're, we're not going to just sit here and bash modals and then... Um, I'm okay with that, not though. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's yeah. not, it's <laughs> we, not we a terrible just, podcast. <laughs> um, but ultimately, we will get around to, like, what can you do about this issue? And I've even created a flow chart nice. for you to figure out if you, if you want to use yeah. a modal or so not. So if you look at your uh, MP3 player or whatever you're listening into and you put your eyeballs really close, you'll actually be able to see the flow chart. Yeah. We've managed to embed it yes. in this recording. That is true. Um, so good thinking, Austin. Yeah. So, um, do you guys what, do you guys have any particular interesting experiences with modals uh, that maybe you've encountered here at HubSpot or in different roles or just in the wild as you're browsing the, the uh, web? So, uh, anytime I've run an experiment with a modal, like I'm just going to keep it short and sweet. Um, every single experiment has been like, we should do a modal, and then it'll come back and be like, that didn't work as well as I thought it was going to work, like every single time without fail. It just never, it's, it, there's a lot of questions around why it didn't work. Um, I'm not just going to blame models like flat out, but a lot of times it's like the, the context of it, you know what I mean? Like what was, what was, what were we trying to do? Um, there's a, a couple of things that I think don't work that well with models and one of which is like just in time education, like, hey, you get to something your first time and like you pop up a modal, like people generally don't read that stuff, even when it's like useful information. And it makes me wonder um, also if this conditioning around modals has caused people to instinctively want to click out of modals even when they could be actually useful. You know, like you sign up for an app and you hit your, your the, the dashboard for the first time and they give you this walkthrough of information and, it, and they've tested it and it's like really short and sweet and like they've made it super easy, but it's in this modal and it's over the other stuff and you're just like, well, this isn't important because it's over this other content, you know? Mm -hmm. So they click through it. And like at HubSpot actually, um, I've been running a bunch of experiments where we figured out like, the modal doesn't matter. Like nobody cares about this particular modal, and it, like, and even though we think like this is a good thing to get people started, like they need some sort of like education to get to get rolling. It's not going to happen with a modal, and it's just not going to happen at that point. Like they need to. It's almost like um, you can't really choose what people should be looking at. I think that like also that's a part of why modals don't work. Is like you're kind of dictating what they are looking at like you're mm -hmm. dictating what information they're supposed to be absorbing right now and that's really not your call like you should be laying it out as like a neutral space unless it's like a, a flow in which like you know if they're going through like some sort of form submission thing or like signing up for something and you need to do steps like that's understandable but there's a different way that you can approach that but if it's just like general like you're in the app and now you are have free reign of whatever you want to do and the tools are out in front of you it's a like that's the worst time to limit somebody it's mm -hmm. like hey like here's an optional modal and the option for not looking at this modal and spending time with it is to do whatever you want and you're happy. 
and you're just like, oh, well, then I'll just close the modal then. Like, yeah. it just seems like a natural, uh, a reasonable reaction. Um, but that's really like, all of my stories are just like, that modal didn't work, that's it. That's, that's the yeah. one thing that we figured out. I think with my experience with uh, modals has always, always been whenever my PM came to me or we had a need for a modal, it was always out of desperation. It's an afterthought. Every single right. time, it's an afterthought and it's, it's lazy. Mm -hmm. Because when you think about the places that you see disruptive modals, and the key word is disruptive, is sites that have a decent amount of traffic or even a lot of traffic, but haven't invested the time and creativity into figuring out how to actually leverage that traffic. Yeah, they can't, like, mm -hmm. they don't so, know how to convert. Right, so it's just a complete cop-out, which is, we'll just put a modal up there and be done with it. Yeah. And some small percentage is always gonna convert that's somewhat reliable at this point in time. Who knows if that'll change in the future, but then you don't have to think about it and put any effort into actually figuring out a way to leverage the traffic. Right, yeah. Think about this, if you're on a website that doesn't have anything as a, like a front page, it's like only informational, it forces you to sign up, if, it seems foolish to have a modal because the only thing you can really do is either leave or sign up. Mm -hmm. So why would you need one, you know? And then it's just annoying otherwise. Mm -hmm. um, there's just not enough options. Yeah, and that's kind of where, you know, you would say that probably the best approach to take is to optimize the experience of the site that you have. Right. And that's actually, uh, I, have, I have a similar experience to that particular case where I was consulting for a client and the discoverability of their site was was really poor. So like the user flows that we were tracking were really showing that people were getting lost in the site. In fact, one of the highest visited uh, pages was the FAQ, uh, which is usually a bit of a bad sign because it right. means that there are certain questions that people have that aren't getting answered throughout the rest of the site. Uh, so people, people were getting lost. And some of the pages that were hurting the most were the landing pages. They just weren't converting. Like they were blowing a ton of money on ads, sending people these landing pages and no, nobody was converting. I mean, it was like, you know, 0.5%. It was, it was pretty, pretty abysmal. That's bad. Um, and so then the solution uh, from the internal team was to create a modal. Um, and, uh, Several people from the organization and, and also from my perspective, you know, we were thinking actually the better thing would be to just create a better experience on the site. You know, optimize the site itself, help the user to do what they came there to do. Austin, we can't run as many ads if we take those funds and <laughs> give it to somebody to redesign the site. Yeah. We can't do that. We just have to use a modal. We need to be cheap and scrappy. Mm -hmm. So what happened is that's actually what happened. We, we created a modal. And... Um, then all of a sudden, after we created that model, we, well, we ended up, the, the model to give some context contained an offer for people that would hit the landing page. Um, so it was aimed at, it was like after you're on the page for 15 seconds, which by the way is too soon to throw a model at somebody. Um, after you're on the page for 15 seconds, uh, you would get an offer to where you could give us your email address or give the company your email address, and then they would uh, email you a coupon code where you could get like your first order for free. But this was only for, for new customers, only for people that were giving first orders. Mm -hmm. And the assumption was, well, anybody that's on a landing page, you know, they're a new customer, right? right. Well, that code ended up 
creating a modal across the entire site <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, of course you want to capture as many leads as you possibly can, right? Yeah. Well, then we had existing customers coming to the site. And so... And seeing this modal? Yeah. So, so, so customer support totally calls... totally botched the modal yeah. <laughs> So customer support calls went up and everybody was like, wait a second, you know, I came here to buy this product again and... I can get it for free, but not really, because I entered my email address and then I got the email and then I tried to enter in the coupon code and it said it wouldn't work because I was a repeat customer. That's a shitty way to treat your repeat customer, right? Yeah. So uh, we were, yeah, we were. What we were doing there is we were serving a modal uh, when we should have just optimized the site that we had, and then even worse, we were serving an irrelevant modal. Yeah. That that was serving, it was giving an offer. It's like half problems with modals, half problems with your development team. Yeah. So I, <laughs> Which I, is I, actually, that's that's a problem that all startups have. Yeah. Is the, you just you know, don't see it and it, things happen. Yeah. I sincerely feel like if you're ever in that situation, just put up a, a tip jar CTA that says, we desperately need to redesign this website, but we don't have money. If you don't give us a dollar, we will put up a modal. And people <laughs> like us will sympathize with you and we will donate. Yeah. I, I would absolutely give you a dollar if you put that on your website. I wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't come back to your website. I might tweet about it though. So another, another bad case where this happened, we had, uh, I had a different client and they wanted to implement a customer service chat um, because partially because they wanted to provide good customer service, but more so because they found out that if they get people to chat with them, they're more likely to convert. So uh, did that and then user tested it and found out uh, in one 15 minute session that this same chat modal popped up seven times for one user. So seven times in 15 minutes. And they were closing out of it and it would still keep popping back up. And so um, the, obviously the modal was way too aggressive and we weren't telling yeah, no it to kidding. go away after the first time uh, that the user closed out of it. But that was by design. That was on uh, purpose. That was that was on purpose. Like you know, that I I came into it and they had the modal and I was like, okay, you know, this is part of the problem that we found from user testing. I think that we should probably tone this thing down. And of course, you know, if you tone it down, it does move the KPI a little negatively. Right. And the can't have that. The conversions go down. So so those are two stories of like bad uh, bad interactions that I've had with modals. I can tell one story of a good one. I. I'm surprised that you would say that. Yeah, yeah. But there's there are ways to properly execute a modal, and I, I can get into those. Um, but we, we had one experiment that I ran here at HubSpot where we actually were successful with a modal. And um, the first thing to understand is that our site was already functioning exactly the way that it needed to. The navigation was working well. The, the pages that we were putting the modal on were converting super well. Yeah. And the idea was, well, you know, maybe there's a little bit of additional opportunity that we can't tap into on the static page that we would be able to tap into only with a modal. So what we did, <laughs> unbelievable. I'm, I'm very excited. Yeah. So what we did is we created an exit intent modal, which we just, uh, we put, we put that mouse. Worked. It worked, and but there's more to I it. Hate okay, those. I know the thing that stops you from leaving. It Here. doesn't stop you from leaving. It just pops up when when you show intent to exit. Oh. So it doesn't actually 
uh, inhibit your browser in any way. Rather, it just tracks your mouse. And if you move your mouse in a certain pattern that indicates that you're probably going to close the tab. <laughs> yeah, up to the left, right? Yeah. Yes, basically. Well, yeah. Where we else are there back buttons? Of a crying dog, I assume. <laughs> like, don't leave. Yeah. So then we, we were serving them with a modal. And then on top of that, um, the, the modal would only be served, even though it was an accident intent modal, it would only be served after the user had been on the page for 90 seconds. So yeah, we determined that they were committed to the page. And then we were serving it with HubSpot's smart content. So based on who the user was, we were serving them with a, um, an offer or um, you know, so, some type of message that was very, very specific to them. So if they were not a customer, they were getting a top of the funnel offer. If they were an existing customer, they were getting an upsell offer, maybe a content offer. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, for one variation of the experiment, we just uh, served non-customers with a modal that said, hey, are you having a hard time finding what you're looking for? Here's a couple resources that may help you. And we weren't getting emails or anything from anybody. There was no conversion that happened from that. We were just predicting what people might be looking for and helping them to get there a little bit easier before they leave. And that actually um, really, really helped with uh, decrease the exit rate on the pages that we implemented it on. Wow. So Sounds there like a ton of work to make a modal work. Yeah, yes, and I think that it, it all goes back to the reason why right. you're you're implementing a modal. You know, uh, in that case, we weren't doing it because um, we needed to, because you know other parts of the site weren't performing. Rather, we were doing it because we saw potentially an unseized opportunity yeah. that could only be accounted for with a modal. So I think that there are some some best practices that that we put into place. Uh, when we were going through that experiment that I can go through here so that everybody can kind of get an idea for like, okay, if I'm going to use a modal, how should I go about doing that? Yeah, go for it. Yeah. So um, for mo the, the first best practice is if you're thinking about using a modal, don't. Yeah. <laughs> That's the, the first thing that you need to do is consider if there is a way for you to accommodate whatever goals that you have elsewhere in the design in a more thoughtful way. So rethink your content strategy, rethink your information architecture, even maybe use newer options like uh, a fold-out element or expanding content. Mm -hmm. If you really think that you need to use a modal, um, you can start by devising a solution for mobile because I think that in a lot of cases, that's where the modal really, really, really gets annoying. Right. Um, it, it'll you know have partial content that won't be viewable, like uh, the X will be outside of the screen or the form yeah. will be partially cut off. Awkward scrolling. Um, it's super difficult to exit on right. mobile. Yeah, if you're um, if you're using a, a web app that doesn't have like a mobile component, mm -hmm. um, like some sort of like enterprise app, for example, um, this just completely wouldn't apply. Yeah. Um, but still, you should still you should still think about it because there's mm -hmm. tons of other design patterns that can probably do what you're looking to do, like just without a modal. Yeah. Yeah. So when you're thinking about like how you create a modal for a mobile view, I my advice would be to try to use a fully responsive modal. They do exist. You just have to be careful around how you structure the content, um, and that keeps all of the 
the, the content that's on the modal intact. And it actually helps you to adhere to all of the following best practices that I'm going to list, so the remainder of them. Um, that said, if you can, for mobile, you could use like an alternative, like um, an inline accordion, mm -hmm. where, again, just like an expandable section. Okay, so first, don't use them. If you're going to use them, make sure that you optimize them for mobile. Three, uh, leverage user behaviors to fire the modal. So right. that may be that they click a button and it fires the modal, or they display exit intent. So a modal should only fire when a user yeah. is reasonably expected. You basically, it. it just becomes completely non-disruptive at yes, that point. exactly. Because they know it's coming. And that sort of moves to the next point, number four. Keep the content relevant. So don't serve the user with, with a modal that's going to contain content that is completely irrelevant to who they are, like something where it's an offer for a new customer and they're an existing customer and it wouldn't apply to right. them. Um, Another way to do this is like if you're using the button approach and the button says subscribe, make sure that there's some type of subscribe-oriented copy in the modal so that they can make the connection right. between the two. So again, relevant content. Number five, make the modal distinguish visually distinguishable from the rest of the page. So that you know, so the user knows that it's right. a modal yeah. and that their, their page didn't just break. Um, so you can use a transparent background overlay. Six, make it easy to close. So an X in the top right-hand corner, um, create some type of functionality where the user can press the escape key and get out of it. Yeah. Click the background and it'll close out. There are tons of plugins that you can get that just kind of do all this for you. Yeah. So like how to design a modal that acts like a proper modal is like the least of the concern. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like you can just you can just type in like jQuery modal and you'll get, you'll get tons of them. Yeah. Um, and you just pick whatever one you like the best. Mm -hmm. Um, and then a few, a few additional ones. Uh, don't make the modal window too tall or too wide um, to where it's completely uh, overtaking certain sections of the screen unless you're doing that very deliberately. I have yeah. seen a couple modals that have done that well. If, but it's, it's, like a a full if it's like a photo viewer, I can yeah. see that being. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Fix the background when the modal is open so that you don't have double scrolling issues. Yeah. Um, don't embed content that would fire a real pop-up. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you don't want to have like two, like a modal plus a pop-up. That's going to be super confusing to the user. And then- but like a modal inside a modal? That, you know what, man? I think you're onto something there. Yeah. They should have done that for the Inception homepage. Oh, that'd be super cool. <laughs> that would have been genius. Modal Inception. You know what's great is sometimes I, sorry to jump out of the list for a second, but I've, I've run up in like while I'm developing, sometimes I manage to click something and get a modal to open like eight or nine times in a row. And the best part about that is it doesn't show that. Like the animation happens all at the same time. So it opens up one modal and suddenly when I click the modal, it doesn't go away. It just closes and it's like right there. It's like taking off a hat and having another hat underneath and you just keep doing that <laughs> over and over and over again. I'm just like, when is this gonna go away? And I, I only have one more small tip and that's, uh, if you have like any form fields in your modal, yeah. save that content in the modal so that if the user switches tabs mm. or if they close the modal and then reopen it, that content is still there. Yeah. It makes it just a little bit more of an enjoyable experience. Did you mention drive addiction first? Kind of like what we were talking about with Amazon? Yeah, I, I think that I, I didn't specifically mention okay. it, but I think that like that could potentially fall under the umbrella of just delivering relevant content. Right. That even goes back to earlier concepts that we've talked about uh, in the episode that we did on onboarding, 
where you should try and uh, promote as much usage of your product or website before creating that drop-off point, right? That's always almost always a good thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, usage in this situation being, I guess, actual like using, clicking around. If, if it's a blog, it's reading the article. Yeah. If it's Amazon, it's viewing products. And then like drop-off know. point in the situation is... I guess a modal or really anything where you're asking for data that's a little bit more difficult than, right. yeah, something that's like you may, there might be a reason in somebody's mind not to do that. Yeah. Right. I, I did some consulting for a friend of mine who was building an apartment app mm-hmm. and he put a modal in the design right when you hit the app. And I said, okay, maybe let them like try and find an apartment they like yeah, first. Exactly. And then once they click the button that says like, like lease the apartment, then you bring up the modal. Right. That way there, you're not just like, just creating that, like you said, Jeff, that initial drop-off point, like, do I want to use this app or not? What was in the you modal? Uh, it, was, it was trying to collect their email address. Oh, it was just like, give us your email right now? Right, right. I love that. That's a great first impression. <laughs> I've always felt like very warm inside whenever I'm just like, oh, they care enough to ask me for all my personal information immediately. <laughs> That's like if I met somebody new, I'm just like, hey, I'm Jeff. Hey, can I borrow like $10? Like immediately. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's so perfect. You, that's will, exactly... never, you will never see them again. Let's, let's use that for the intro. Yeah. <laughs> that, that describes the modal problem perfectly. <laughs> I did not make that up for the uh, show ahead of time. I just thought of that right now. I know people like that. I'm not going to throw out any names, but I know people like that. And it's weird, though, because like they're friends with people I know, so I can't do what I would do if they were a website, which is never come back. <laughs> they just It's like if the website... It's like retargeting ads. It's like... If the website could be your default tab, like screen, once in a while, like once in a month, it just shows up and it's like, hey, remember me? And you're like, what are you doing? (laughs) I think a good tip would be maybe just sending them this episode and seeing how they react. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Let's not talk about this anymore. (laughs) I think that the, like, no matter one, one thing that we have to throw in there every time that we we talk about something like this is no matter how many best practices you enact. So I just went through like all of these different best practices. Um, you could use all of those on your site. If you, if you want to be really responsible about the way that you approach a modal, what you need to do is test it. Right. So like use all the best practices, but install the proper event tracking on your modal. Like, like I did for the experiment that I ran here. Run, so you've got some quantitative data on it, run some qualitative tests on it and see how users actually behave with it mm-hmm. and weigh that against the KPIs that you're moving right. with, uh, with your modal. Because ultimately, like, no matter how many best practices you use, it's going to affect your audience different and your execution is going to be different as yeah, well. Exactly. I love when I do modal yeah, testing. It's like an ABC test. So I have Variation number one, variation number two, and what if we just didn't have this modal at all? And like a lot of times, the difference between the modal and not the modal is so small that we're just like, this was a waste of our time. You know, it's like it's always good to have that like that extra. A lot of times, people make a decision. They go, "We're going to A/B test this modal," but the decision they've made is, "We need a modal," and like that's like they just do that, and then a hundred percent of traffic sees it and they see different versions. But like. It's always good to have that, like, what if we just didn't do this at all? Yeah. You know? Build that into the experiment. Yeah. Yeah. It like, reminds me of, like, the like, what if we didn't hire this person after we fired another person? <laughs> because, like, sometimes companies realize that they've hired too many people. Like, it's just a good experiment to run. It's like, do we actually hate our lives if we <laughs> don't do anything else? No, sometimes you don't. Austin, I have a question for you. Yeah. Uh, do you have any specific UI 
tips for modal design, like, for example, how long your headline should be, how much text you should have on yeah. there, should you use graphics, mm -hmm. et cetera? Yeah, so um, I think that the, the modal needs to clearly be a modal. It needs to be distinguishable from the rest of the site. You need to have clear paths to exit. So like a you know a, a, a visible X in the top right hand corner at minimum that contrasts well with the rest of the modal. In terms of like headlines and copy and calls to action or buttons and everything like that, my tips are keep it short and sweet yeah. if you want it to work. Um, so short headline that gets right to the point, but it's it should also be friendly. I think that if you inject some personality into it, like you're almost talking to the user, uh, that seems to work. Uh, if you're going to have like a subheadline or like paragraph text or anything like that, I shouldn't even say paragraph. It'd be like one sentence, you know, uh, of descriptor yeah. text. Twelve bullet points. Yeah. <laughs> uh, form fields, I, I'd never go beyond one or two. Yeah. And for you, and you the, can, if you're smart enough, you can pre-fill. If you need more, yeah. you could probably pre-fill them, and those can yes. pretty quickly. Yeah, that's something that you can do super easily in HubSpot right. if you've already collected data. On People will click buttons. Mm -hmm. They just don't like typing. It's like the yeah. act of having to move your fingers from the trackpad to the keyboard is a drop-off point itself. Yeah. So that's something to think about too, just in a general design sense. It's like, how much can I keep the person from typing? Mm -hmm. People are so lazy. <laughs> Welcome to UX, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> and and then the I guess the last element of the modal, the button, um, you know, distinguishing it from the from the rest of the design. Uh, sim simple copy that's like straight to the point. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, people people get like you know really really outlandish with modals and everything like that, and and you know sometimes they put videos and mm -hmm. weird images and everything like that in them. That's a completely different beast that yeah. you would have to test yourself. Yeah, that can work or not. Yeah, it seems like very contextual. Um, one thing that I know, I just want to like kind of draw a line between kind of what we've been talking about and. Um, a slightly different context. Um, we kind of been talking about like modals in terms of conversion, uh, modals in terms of like how to use it like in an acquisition situation. Mm -hmm. um, you don't necessarily have to be afraid of using modals if you're using it for like a UI purpose. So if you're using it, I mean, it's like the whole thing about like they need to click it. In a UI situation, you're never gonna have a modal that just like pops up without their permission. Like, yeah. you know, if, if you're using it as a tool, like if you have like a, a an expanded menu of some sort like you know you've got a list of things and you want to click into some details you know like you, Facebook's photo upload yeah you can use a modal for that yeah. um, and they've chosen to do it the thing about Facebook like the there it comes down to like the mobile thing that you were talking about that Facebook if you're on Facebook for desktop mm -hmm. it's for desktop and if you make the screen smaller it doesn't resize they've decided like we can use a modal here because no one's gonna have a screen that's too small because mm -hmm. that's the way we designed it. You know, you can get away with that. If you have a mobile, like kind of a mobile first design and you have some sort of tool that might use a, a modal, you're, it's probably not gonna be a good idea. Yeah. If you have a desktop application, um, don't be afraid to use modals for that kind of stuff. Don't overdo it. That sometimes it's confusing and people need to be able to see what's gonna happen, like a mental map of their tools and all that stuff. But um, like, again, like, for the conversion, it's like a completely different thought process. Mm -hmm. um, you know, how to use it and to get people to want to do stuff. You know, if you're getting somebody to like toggle something, it's it's probably okay. Mm -hmm. um, so before we wrap up here real quick, mm -hmm. I think we need to answer the question, mm -hmm. which is, 
what is the future of modals? It's, of course, a trend, as we uh, alluded to earlier, mm-hmm. that came out of pop-ups not being a viable option for advertisers yeah. because of ad block. And at this point in time, it's become human nature for us to just click the X as soon as we yeah. see it. I think it's uh, what's going to happen. Modals as a service is what we're <laughs> going to get in the future. So everybody has modals, but what if you didn't even have to make any of those decisions? You should just pay us and we'll do it for you. There are some companies that do that. That's terrifying. Yeah, that's, yeah. I, I can <laughs> I've, I've used companies. one, actually. Yes, yeah. yeah. Um, I think the future of modals is that they are going to become increasingly less effective and that we're going to get more UX data around additional adverse effects that happen when you use a modal. So we have this increase of user negative user behavior where they immediately close the modal. Mm-hmm. And then it hurts their perception of the brand, of the website. It, degrades the user experience, and that is going to eventually outweigh the KPIs that are being pushed by the modal. So I think that the modal will indeed die. Um, It's already become a looked down upon design pattern. Um, So a lot of high-end designers are not, they will not use modals, they're just using better UX and they're incorporating the information into the site more creatively, more thoughtfully, and that will trickle down and that will eventually be seen on the business side. And I think that the modal will die, at least what we know of as the modal now, and then we'll see a similar trend to what's happened with pop-ups where it will resurrect as um, a useful object, something that users trust again. Users don't trust it right yeah. now, but I think that that's the future. Of the I world. agree with you all the way up to the last part. Mm-hmm. I think that the pop-up will not. The pop-up will act as a utility for things that need it, but I don't. I can't imagine the pop-up coming back, especially being what it was once before. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? That's like imagining that like yeah, life in the fifties is going to come back to- again. When I refer to the pop-up, um, I'm I'm referring to like when you log into Google Apps and it'll pop up your your, um, oh, your right. one account. Yeah, login it's like, as long as it's not being abused. So utility yeah. purpose. Utility right. purpose, correct. Yeah. So quick wrap up uh, and and uh, uh, going back through some of the uh, key points that we were able to gather here in our talk. Um, The first thing to understand is that there is a crisis around uh, the the pop-up and the modal and that the user perception of the modal right now is negative because the modal is becoming an abused design pattern. So if you are going to use a modal, um, start by not using it. (laughs) And, and instead, uh, taking a step back and looking at how you might be able to restructure your content or your site. If you are going to use it, make sure that you devise a mobile solution, leverage user behaviors to fire the modal, keep the content relevant, make it distinguishable from the rest of the page, and make it easy for the user to close out of it. Beautiful. Awesome. Yeah. I'm never going to use a modal again. And if you're ever confused, about whether or not you want to use a modal, go to uxandgrowth.com and we're going to have a flow chart up there yes. to help you figure out if you should use a modal or not. Is it just going to be It's just no. no. It's yeah, just okay. no. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> awesome. Yep, uxandgrowth.com. All of our contact information is there. Flow charts there. Lots of other great podcasts are there. Um, hopefully you spend the whole rest of your day listening to us. <laughs> Thanks so much, guys. Have a great rest of your day.